0: Uh, we're going through um, a series called Grace, and I really praise God um, for this family who are going through a series called Grace when it comes to a gift day. Uh, it's just wonderful to be part of this family that teaches grace and preaches grace even when it comes to money, because that is also by the grace of God. Uh, it's a great adventure as uh, we bring our first fruits to God, not only with our finances, but in every area of our lives. And it's not only this week, but every single day of our lives. And I want to encourage you to continue doing that. If, as you pray about your finances, about your time, your energy, and your resources, and how you want to give the first fruit to God, it's not just about the gift days, it's about every single day of your life. And we've had explanations about grace. I just loved when Simon... Shoved somebody out the door and kept them in the cold to, t- uh, to tell us what grace meant Th- that 's how he is you see i 've been working with him in the office, and I know his real side no. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I was just reminded a couple of weeks ago uh, about um, a, another aspect to, uh, to Grace really, because I was speaking to one of my friends um, about Grace, um, and she said oh i don 't really know how to explain it I know it i 've received it, I, can, I live it, and I know that it's what God has for me, but I don't really know how to explain it. So I thought, how would I explain it in a cultural way? I thought, yeah, let's do that. So the Arabic word for grace is wasta. And when you explain that to people from the Middle East, you usually use this illustration, wasta. It literally means the middleman. It means the mediator. And without it, you'd really have no status in the Middle East if you're living there. So if in the Middle East there is an accident, people don't come down very calm and quietly to exchange insurance detail what they would do is they'll pick up their phone and ring the wasta the middleman because the middleman will know somebody who knows somebody else who knows somebody who would be able to help you with this even if whether it's your fault or not you need somebody to represent you because it's all done based on relationships so i need a couple of people to help me i just love it how even at church this democracy is there I need some volunteers and then people say that and then you just say I need volunteers and then you choose for yourself. So, I need some volunteers but I need Raj <laughs> and I need you Mim, please. Uh, so, and I need somebody to represent Jesus but I can't really somebody here with long blonde please hair, blue eyes. It would usually Yeah, if you could come you're probably the closest to um, to Hollywood. Please come uh, come forward Rob. To the Hollywood version of Jesus. Um, They've probably done lots of research and they know that um, that's how he looked like. So, brilliant. Please, if you come in the middle. So, let's say that Mim here is far from God. This is what the Bible says. Um, She's just really, she knows it. She knows that she's away from God. God is there, very distant. um, And she's in darkness and she needs to reach God. And you know when you read in Job, when he says, I need God, but I don't even have a mediator. I've got no one to take me before him. That's what it means. It means I don't have a waster. I don't have somebody to take me before him to represent me. So she knows that she needs to get there, but she just doesn't have anyone. But then comes along Jesus and he says, I can do it for you. However, in Mim's culture, if there is a waster, if there is a mediator, it's usually based on favor. You've got to give a gift, you've got to receive a gift, or you've got to earn the favor somehow, and then you've got to repay the favor at some point. But then when she hears about Jesus, and that he doesn't need a favor, when she hears that Jesus says, yeah, it's for free, she thinks twice, hmm, there must be some strings attached. He must want double favors. He must want even more than just a gift. But then Jesus says, no, not really. It's not about that. I don't want anything. In fact, I've given my life. Then Mim starts to think, hmm, maybe he's telling the truth. Let me go a bit further and a bit closer and find out whether he can actually take me to God. Then he realizes, she realizes sorry, that this Jesus has fulfilled many prophetic words that she had been told. And it's not just the prophetic words within the past five or ten years. It's prophetic words that have been given throughout the history to her people. Prophetic words that have been given that no one else could fulfill. Things like the place of birth. I couldn't decide where I was born. I couldn't decide that. But in God's grace, I was born where I was. In the case of Jesus, they were told that the Messiah would be born in this particular place. And he was born there. So she starts thinking, hmm. Couldn't be his doing, because he can't really decide where he was born. And then there's many others, hundreds of other prophetic words. Then she also hears that people who've been following him are really serious about it. Some of them have been killed, they still didn't deny him. Some said that he rose from the grave when he died, and they stuck to their word even when they were persecuted. So she starts to think, "Hmm, it sounds like a true. Can you actually take me to God? So they go together. Jesus takes this person before the Father. What the Father does says, I can see Jesus. And I can see two of them. When Jesus says to Mim, that yes, your name is still Mim, but you're in me. Because you knew. And when the Father looks at you, he actually sees me. He sees the Waster, Because without me, you couldn't have come to the Father. You couldn't have come here. You couldn't have come this far. And the way he looks at you is the way he looks at me. So when he looks at you, he sees you hidden in me. And this is who I am. I am the Waster. I am the grace that has been given to you. It's me who's taken you here. And I don't want anything in return. I just want you to say, yes, you want it. I don't want to force you, because that's not who I am. Do you want it? And then she says, yes. And that's where it all happens. She now has access to God himself. She has access to the Father. But whose doing is it? It's God himself who did it in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the greatest Wassa? who is the grace himself. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Just like many other things, Wasta has been open to abuse. So in the culture, unfortunately, people use it in many different ways and they take advantage of it. But with grace, because it's from God, it's been given to us. It's a gift. It's nothing that we can boast about. It's been given to us. It's a gift. Just like... In, with Esther and Mordecai. Mordecai needed to go to the king when the, the, um, the Israelites were being threatened, where Jews were going to be something similar to an ethnic cleansing in, in today's day Iran, in Persia at the time. Mordecai knew it. He said, I need to go to the king. He's the only person who can stop it. But he knew he can't go there. He just doesn't have the privileges. He has no right to go before the king. But he knew, I have a waster. I have somebody who can earn the grace. I have somebody who can be be shown grace by the king himself. And it was Esther, as there's a photo there, a good friend of mine um, showed me that. And that's a great illustration of what it means to go before the king, knowing that you're not worthy and you don't deserve it, but yet you receive the grace of God. And guess what? Many people have received that throughout history. Many of us here have received that and our lives have been changed. We were singing songs about grace, but one of the most famous ones is Amazing Grace. So John Newton himself, the man who was in slave trade, the man who may have persecuted quite a lot of people just because of their skin color, persecuted lots of people and sold them into slavery, people from different parts of Africa, he was changed by grace. Even a man like him who thought, there's no way I could be forgiven, he was changed, and because of that change, he's written something that's really stuck with the church, the hymn, Amazing Grace. And guess what? You and I can take that message, as Ollie was saying this morning, uh, was sharing with us about her journey. We can take that. We can be that good news. We can't be the answer, but we know the answer. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I send you. So it's your job and my job. It's you and I. Israelites were given cities they didn't build. Israelites were given vineyards that they they hadn't really done anything for, but they were given by grace. They had one thing to do. They had to preserve the commandments of God. It's the same with you and I. We've been given the grace of God. We didn't deserve it. We've been given the love of God. We didn't deserve it. But we need to preserve that. And we need to persevere, even at times when it becomes very difficult. We've been given a family we were not born into, uh, the grace we didn't deserve. So all of this will lead me to um, the topic that we're going to talk about today. is grace for growth. Where there is grace, God will also cause us to grow. And I'm going to read through the Gospel of Matthew. If you'd like to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. We'll be reading verses 31 to 40. So it's Matthew 25. I'll read that. If you haven't got a Bible, it'll be projected on the screen. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. As He will place the sheep on His right but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, come. You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. Praise God for his word. In this passage, Jesus is talking of his second coming. He's speaking in Eschatological term. It's about his second coming, but that's not the focus of today's talk. I'm going to focus on something else. Jesus is talking of goat and sheep. And um, if you're like me and you love your food, you know the difference between them when it comes to food. So I can tell you there's lots of differences between goat and sheep, but I know that goat's meat is a bit tougher. Sorry to those of you who are vegetarians here. but And also goat's milk um, is really good for a particular cheese um, called halloumi. It's wonderful. It's amazing. Um, But goat and sheep look also very similar, Uh, they graze on the same land, they look similar on the outside, Um, but they're fundamentally different on the inside. Um, Goats are very famous for being uh, playsome, they're quarrelsome, they usually quarrel. In Turkey they have a phrase for people who are stubborn, Uh, so they call them stubborn as a goat. learned that with somebody called a good friend of mine. You're stubborn as a goat, and you can probably guess who I mean. Um, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. There's a story about a Palestinian shepherd um, who had eight sheep, and he was on one of the uh, hills, and the British soldiers came, and they needed to clear the land, so they took his sheep and added them to hundreds of others that they had to clear in one particular place. So, a few hours later, he went and said, I want my sheep. Uh, so they were British and probably from side. One of them said, you're joking, are you? Or he probably said, you're having a laugh. There's hundreds of them. So take eight. He said, no, I want my own. So the soldier said, feel free to go and find them. But there's hundreds of them. What's the difference? He said, I want my own and I can find them. Uh, they thought, well, this is their entertainment for the day. So they let the guy in. The shepherd went in. He just whistled and shouted a few words and there's eight sheep that were following him outside because they knew their shepherd. And this is a true story. They knew who their shepherd was. And Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and they know my voice. And that's the difference between the sheep and the goat here. Goats can't really be tamed. They're they're, they're all over the place. Um, One starts something, and the rest of the herd will follow. Whereas with the sheep, they're generally obedient, and they also know the shepherd. They won't just follow any shepherd, they follow their own shepherd. They know his voice, just like we heard in this story. Um, And Jesus is talking about the goats and sheep, and he's also talking about his brothers. So what we do or don't do to Jesus' brothers, meaning the church, the believer, really matters. So there's three major interpretations about this. What does Jesus mean by my brothers? I've heard quite a lot of people who are working with the poor and in the charities using that as an example um, and building the foundation of their work on this verse and that's absolutely fine and there's nothing wrong with that. We're looking after the poor, but I'm not sure whether Jesus specifically means the poor here. There are also people who say that, well, Jesus was Jewish and therefore he's talking about Jews because they're ethnically his brothers. Um, but Jesus really never referred to Jews as his brothers because of their ethnicity. In fact, when he was in a room, his biological mother and his brothers in the family came and he said, these are my brothers. So to people who were around listening to him. So I personally believe that he's talking about Christians. He's talking about the believer. He's talking about those who believe in him as his brothers and sisters. Uh, a true believer will care for the good Of the church that's brothers and sisters that's the sign of a true believer and Jesus is saying that even when the persecution comes even when times are hard this is a sign to look for are you looking and caring for the fellow believers as Christians do we really need to dig deeper in the Bible to find verses about looking after the poor and caring for others in fact we're doing a great job of that here at Jubilee we're involved in so many things to do with the good of those um, who live in the community. We're involved in so many different projects. We're involved in quite a lot of things and we're heavily involved in particular areas to do with looking after the sojourners. Integrity of the church is built on the view, on its view of Jesus, but also how we put his teachings into application. How, When he talks about caring for the poor, how do we do that? And you may think, well, we thought you are talking about growth and not the poor. Um, hang on there. Give me another few minutes. Um, as the pressure increases, um, not only uh, in this nation, as the pressure increases on the church in different nations, uh, and as we heard about, uh, in the update about the persecuted nations, one of the marks of true believers is the, the worry that they have for their brothers and sisters is the care that they have towards them. Now, my Middle Eastern friends here have got the whole story. They think, oh, well, yeah, this is the story, this is the Bible, and now we've got it, you've told us a few stories as well. Where's the tea and coffee? Now, for the sake of our Western friends, I've got a few points um, that I've tried to condense to three. Um, Grace of God brings about individual growth. Um, That is the first point. Life begins by birth. I'm sure you would all agree with me. We have many doctors here as well, and they would also agree. Um, that life begins by birth Um, not necessarily the birth of a child as uh, we know but life begins and then the same with the Christian life life begins as we are born born again I just love it how some of our African friends refer to themselves as born again Christians it's just not simply Christian it's born again Christian so the Christian life begins by birth upon receiving Christ we are born again Uh, Jesus talks about being born again. He talks to Nicodemus, this old guy that's come in in the middle of the night to talk to Jesus. And Jesus is telling him, you need to be born again. And this guy is thinking, you must be crazy. I'm I'm really old. But Jesus does talk about being born again. And for those of you who are in Christ, you know that. Because you know the moment. You remember the moment you gave your life to him. You remember the moment you were born again. And for those of you who are not in Jesus and are thinking hmm, I like the idea, but I don't really know what to do. I like the idea of being born again because I get a second chance. I get to do things the right way. Then yes, that is right. You get the second chance. You get the opportunity to do things the right way, but you also get the opportunity to live your life with Jesus if you give your life to Him. So I want to encourage you, if you're thinking about it, if you haven't decided, then this is the moment if you want new life, if you want to be regenerated and born again, Jesus is the only answer. But it seems that at church, we only expect children to grow. I remember when I first held Eden at the hospital. She was so gorgeous, but very small. The next time, she'd grown. And thank goodness, she looked more like Haley. And then as we, the next time again, she'd grown again. And I'm sure that the next time I'll be holding her, she'll should even grow more. But to us, that's natural. You think, well, if a child doesn't grow, then that's not natural. So we take it as granted. A child has to grow. But what about adults? What about individuals who come to Christ and they just stay as children? Paul talks about drinking milk. Paul does talk about, now it's time for you to uh, have proper food, like really big lamb with some lovely sauce and Yorkshire poods. But that's not what he meant. He meant that in the spiritual term. So why is it that it's okay for us to think that it's okay for children to grow, but mm, it's fine for the adults, we don't really want to see grow? As we personally grow, the church grows, not only in number, but spiritually. Grace in growth is not just about being added to the church, it's also about the growth of those who already believe in him. I remember that in one of the Northeast Elders meeting, Simon was leading the meeting, we were hosting it at Melbourne and um, we were just asked about some updates, because we normally ask how are things going in different churches, so he was asked how are things at Jubilee. so he was saying oh, these are some of the things that are they're happening at Jubilee, and yes, this and that, and Surush has got fatter. And I thought, yes, that's a compliment. And the guys were thinking, you can't say that, Simon. But he knew that he's complimented me because he's seen growth in me. Maybe in the wrong places, but he's seen growth. And I'm glad that he acknowledged it. You can just, is there growth in your personal life? Is there growth that people can see? I'm not saying that we should display the growth that we have. Um, but is there growth for your fellow brothers and sisters? Is there growth that people can see in your life individually? Because we read in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a commandment, grow in the grace that he has for you. Are you growing in the grace that he has for you? Is fellowship really important to you? Is there something that you can call family? Are you part of this? Are you... Just a fan sat around, just like me, when, it's, when the, uh, there's a Borough match, I'll just, if they win, I'll say, yeah, Borough, yeah, I'm a Borough fan, I'm a supporter. But when they don't, then I'm just uh, somebody who lives in Teesside. Are you a fan or are you a supporter? Are you sitting around thinking, oh, it's great to see how it's happening, but I don't really want to be part of it. But oh, are you in there? saying, I want to be part of it. Are you in there saying, "Mm, I just don't want to look at it grow. I want to be part of it because of the grace that God has given me. Consider growth in the Bible. Some people, let's say Peter, he went from denying Jesus to actually giving his life for the message that Jesus had. How could somebody be changed dramatically? Apostle Paul, he was changed in the road to, to Damascus. We all know that. John, He was Ben Regish in Hebrew, the son of thunder. That's what Jesus called him. And Jesus never gets it wrong. He said, son of thunder. And that wasn't a compliment, you know, like when Simon called me fat, that was a compliment. But it's not even culturally, that's not a compliment in some cultures to say, son of thunder. It just means you're angry. You you just blow up. You're short-tempered. But he went from the son of thunder to becoming the apostle of love. And that just didn't happen as Simon was praying this morning because of his upbringing, because we can tell it wasn't the case. It wasn't because he was a good man. It wasn't because he tried hard to make things better. It's because of his faith and love for Jesus. It's because he spent time in the presence of God. And as we spend time in the presence of Jesus, we mature, our souls are affected, our holiness is affected, and it just becomes part of us grace also brings about corporate uh, growth which means the church and also the care that we have for one another it's not about becoming more saved because that's not possible at all it's not about restoring the church to its previous glory i was in that era for many years i was praying will you restore your church in this nation god doesn't want to restore his church in any nation he wants to give us something better So we'll have to have faith for the future better than what we had in the past. So I just don't want the church to be the same in this nation uh, like it used to be. I want it to be even greater and better. And that's what I'm praying for. So have faith for the future. But if we just want to see things with our eyes, we're not going to get very far. Because Jesus sent the ten lepers and said, go and show yourself to the priest. Meaning... You've been healed. You just need confirmation from the priest because that's the law and the commandment of God. They could have said, "Oh no, I can't be bothered. or oh, there's no bus going there now. or oh, I just can't. I'm really tired. Can you not just do it now? Or oh, why should I? I don't even like him." Um, but they just did, and on the way, they were saved. On the way there, they were all saved from their leprosy. It's the same with us. Are we really thinking? I must see it before it happens so that I can be part of it, or I'll be saying, I can see something in faith. I can see this taking place. I can see with the eyes that God has given me, in faith that in the future this will be happening, and I want to be part of it. An increase of faith will bring love, more love for one another, the love that we have. And I just love it for many people who've walked in not necessarily from other nations. You hear that very often from people from other nations who feel at home here. But also from those who have been living here in this nation and in this part of the world. For a very long time they came in and they just felt the love of God in this place. And I just love to take credit for that and say it's because of me. But it's not because it's been here before I came and joined the family. But, and also since then it's not because of me. It's because of the presence of God. It's because of who He is and who He's made this family to be. The phrase one-anothering is in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. So if you don't really like that, because sometimes people feel a bit uneasy about one-anothering, you no, know, it's too, I don't really like it. But it's there a hundred times in the New Testament. And a third of them is about the church getting along together. A third of it. And re- remember that four of them are about kissing one another. So I'm going to practice that afterwards. I'm just going to put those four verses into application. No, I'm not, no. deep sigh of relief, yeah. So the phrase one anothering is there. And we are called as a church to do that. We're called to look on the outside and shine for Jesus in the world, but also we're called to do that in here. If you can't love one another here... You better get used to it, because there will be years and years of it. They will be the same in eternity. We will we'll be hanging around in eternity. I love the sound of the, uh, the idea. Hanging around in eternity with you guys is amazing. You may think um, different to me, but hey. Um, but sometimes we think, oh well, it just happens. It can just happen. Because, yeah, it's the love of God and it can just happen. But it can't, because when I first came into this church and felt the presence of God and the love of God, it was because people went out of their way. It was b- because people who had a heart for welcoming others who came and did it. It just didn't happen naturally. Of course, it's organic, but it's because people went out of their way. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to go out of your way in order to bring growth individually and corporately? I remember um, when when my wife first signed me up to go to the gym, I used to go there every morning and... um, I thought, well, now I'm going to have a six-pack and I'm going to be really fit, fit as a fiddle. And then uh, it's just going to all work out and I'm just going to show off my six-pack. A few weeks uh, afterwards, I realized that I've really gained weight. And I thought, how could that be possible? Just supposed to go to the gym and lose weight and become fitter. And I realized it's not just by going and sitting in the jacuzzi that you lose weight. It's, you've got to do something about it. When you go in there, it's not just about going into the building. You can go into the building. You can come to the church. You can be part of this church. You can be part of this family for many, many years without a change in your heart or a change that God can bring through you into the lives of others. Just like I thought I'd gain a six-pack by just going and sitting in the jacuzzi. You see, it doesn't work that way. So if you think you want a spiritual six-pack and you're not ready to do anything about it, then you're not going to get it. (laughs) I'm not preaching a work gospel, but I'm saying that if you want it, you need to say yes to God and that will take you out of your comfort zone. The grace doesn't let us down, but it's not there just to stroke us and say Yes, you're right. Yes, you will gain the six-pack. Yes, just give it a few more weeks. See, I realized I just went there and I gained weight because as you go in, you gain an appetite. And I, you, if you know me, my appetite is generally like a hippo anyway. And I gained even more appetite and I came out and ate even more, which was more unhealthy. So, object defeated for Mavash. Um, we, as we've been sitting with the pastoral team together to think about This one anothering, to think about this care that God has put us on. Of course, there is eldership oversight, and as we believe in this church, there is eldership oversight, and God has put shepherds uh, for the flock. But we also believe that it's the job of every single person in here. So it's not just the elders, or it's not just the pastoral team, it's the job of every single person in here to care for one another. As we've been sitting with the pastoral team um, together, we came up with um, a few things um, in terms of the structure. And that's, um, that's you, you can tell that's not me, but it's the other people in the team, and I just copied it. So it's the tree with the roots being Christ Jesus himself. And on the tree, there are leaves, leaves that are different areas of our church lives. There are devoted groups, community groups, prayer ministry team. I just love as they get together every Sunday morning before the meeting and pray. And very often, God speaks things there that they're not even aware of um, That's going to be the topic for the morning. And it's just great to see one spirit working. And it's just great to see faithful men and women getting together praying. And it's not just that on a Sunday morning. Many of you are praying for the family on a regular basis. Um, There's marriage courses in there. It's just wonderful to see younger people getting married in this church. We just had over the summer Andrew and Anna and then uh, Alison Jarba getting married. And it was just great to be able to say to people, will you take them through a marriage course? Will you share with them what God has spoken to you and will you also share with them what they need to be prepared for? And it's one of the leaves in there. There's parenting course as Again, I shared earlier this morning with you about the changes um, in in our lives. It's just wonderful that Raj and Charlotte are going to help us with that. They're going to take us through, not the parenting course, I think it will be more curry and rice and things, and then we'll talk about things and we'll learn what to do from Charlotte and what not to do from Raj. But it's just amazing that this is there. And the pastoral structure is not just for those who have reactive issues, No, that's not how the Bible talks about pastoral care. It's about being prepared and getting ready for the future, just like our brothers and sisters are helping us in that. Freedom in Christ, as Raj has mentioned a couple of times in the past, is one of the things that we're thinking of, uh, putting on. Uh, We've been talking about it in the past couple of times that we've got together in the pastoral team to, to have that really, Uh, because we believe that it is important, and it will be open to you all to come and join us. Raising leaders is part of the pastoral team, pastoral care structure, because, as I said, it's not just about thinking issues, it's about where God's called us to, and where we're going in faith. So raising leaders is one of the important parts in there. Discipleship is an important part. I remember in one of our elders meeting, Rod said, discipleship is the journey, but pastoral care is the environment. So as we go on that journey, we need the environment of care for those who are raising. Releasing people and developing a culture of servanthood is again one of the other things in there. And we can see that. I praise God that many people who have come in have seen many of you serving in many different ways that you didn't even realize. And they thought, this can't be just a person. This can't just be humility. It must be something supernatural. They've seen Jesus in you from the first moment they saw you. And I praise God for that. I praise God that I'm part of a family, that servanthood is there in the lives of people. And we're still shaping other areas. As we still get together on a monthly basis, we think think about, we talk about, pray about different things. We're shaping other areas that God has called us to. So, I'm going to uh, finish with this. If I could ask the band to come up, please. As we talk about growth, individually and corporately, growth also requires other resources. Some of you may feel that you have a fresh commission today or in the last week or in the new season that God had called you to. But remember the prophetic words spoken over us. And one of them that I regularly pray into is the four worlds apostolic resource base. We've heard many stories about how God has used Jubilee as an apostolic resource base. You may think, well, a resource base should look like this. It should look a bit different. That's not how God intends it to be. It will look the way that God wants it to. You've had many stories about how you have sent people, how you have resourced other nations, how you've resourced the poor in the area, how you've done things for others, so that they can shine for God. How you've helped raise people in their leadership so that they can build the church of God in other places. That is, to me, an apostolic resource. But we're going to continue doing that. We're going to continue be that because that's who we're called to be. That's what God's called us to be. Again, if you're not seeing that with your physical eyes, you need to look in faith. In fact, you can see many of it with your eyes as well. And remember, remember to love one another. Remember that the love that we have towards one another will show the world who we are because this is what Jesus said. This is how the world will know you belong to me because of the love you have to one another, but also the love that we have for the world out there. Again, I'm going to ask you, are you a fan or are you a supporter? And I don't mean that in a legalistic way, but sometimes it's good to put a question out there. And being from another culture, it's easier for me to say some of the things sometimes, because you just think, well, that's his English, or maybe he's a bit ignorant because he's not from this culture. But I've lived here for 13 years, and um, I'd like to think that I've been acquainted with the culture a bit. But I'm going to ask you, are you a fan or are you a supporter? Even if that offends you, think about it. Are you going to be in there, or are you just going to sit on the outside thinking, this looks great but I'm just going to watch it from here. Just one final story. Timbal, who is um, an Anglican priest, um, yeah, he was on sabbatical, so uh, he decided to visit a couple of churches, and he visited an atheist assembly on Sunday morning in London. He went there, and uh, in his word he said that it wasn't very different from a normal church. You would go in, there's tea and coffee, there's welcome, people would welcome you, and there's songs, popular songs, um, maybe secular pop songs um, that people would sing to and they would raise their hands to it as well. Some people would dance along with it and there's somebody who brings a message about how you can have a good life and at the end they would encourage the guests to come and join them, to talk to them and they would have tea and coffee and that's it, farewell, that's done for the week. And I thought well I know many churches like that. Then he said he went to Holy Trinity Brompton in the afternoon, in the afternoon session Holy Trinity Brompton is where Alpha came from And he said, it was the same. I went in, welcome, tea and coffee, a message, and then um, uh, guests, tea and coffee, and then people went their way. The big difference in there was that anyone can copy the style of the church. Anyone can copy the style of our worship. People are free to copy the style that we do charity, the style that we serve the poor. One thing they cannot copy is the message of Jesus Christ. One thing they cannot copy is what Jesus has given us as the church. They can't fabricate it, they can't receive it from another source, they can't have it from anyone else but Jesus Christ himself. So as the church, as we are involved in many things, remember that it's Jesus Christ who is the head and it's him who's called us to these sort of things that we are doing in everything that he's called us to, and it's to him that we bring everything. So as we give our finances to what we've heard over the past four weeks, I want to encourage you to keep seeking God, to keep praying about it, to keep praying for the eldership team and for Jubilee, and to keep seeking God to see what he has for you and what he wants you to give, not necessarily about your finances, but the first fruit of your time and every area of your life. Can we stand together? I'm going to pray into it and I'm going to ask Simon to help us with some of the practicalities of this. Lord Jesus, I praise you and give you thanks for Jubilee. We thank you for what you're doing in your church. We thank you for who you are and for who you've made us to be. We praise you that as your church, we know that you are the head. We praise you that we we know as we come together, your presence is there. We thank you that you choose to live and dwell amongst us. We praise you for all that you've given us. We, We praise you for the faith of men and women here, Lord. We praise you for the future you've called us to. Lord, we pray as we bring what we have to you. Will you bless us, Lord? Will you bless this, Lord? And will you keep speaking to us in terms of where you're going to call us to, the direction that you've called us to. We pray for your presence and for your spirit to come and fall on us on each and every one of us here this morning. And as we bring our gifts and offerings, Lord, will you bless it, will you multiply it for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.